the unpredictability is an advantage for the Minnesota Vikings, and that includes into the draft. I ain't sleeping on receiver at 12. I'm not kidding you. Shannon Sullivan can play safety. The 3-4 permits you the opportunity to get weird on the back end right. and use corners at safety or three safeties. So Bynum, Hitman, and Sullivan. But trading up for a safety, I'm out. Yo, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 138 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. My name is Gabe Henderson, filling in for Tatum Everett alongside producer Jay Nelson and our guest of the day, the evening, the night, whatever time of day you're listening to this. You probably hear him every morning on KFAN 9 to noon. Um, A really good friend of ours, a really good friend of the show, uh, one of my personal best friends since I've moved here to Minnesota. I'm talking about voice of the Vikings, Paul Alan, PA, how you doing? Gabe, Jay, what's going on? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, it's been, I feel like all of us have been on vacation at some point besides Jay. Hey, I was in Vegas for nine days, so there was plenty of time out there. UFC? Yes. Went to UFC, worked the Pac-12 men's basketball tournament, trying to get some intel just for how the NCAA tournament was going to go. Yeah. (laughs) Got to watch Arizona uh, have to pull it out in the last game against UCLA, and then in the end, they got sniped anyways in the tournament, but... It was a lot of fun out there, and uh, there's a lot of really good people I get to work with when I go out there every year, so it's always kind of a fun respite first week of March. Take it from me, supplemental income is not a bad thing. Mm. Somebody who's balanced three jobs for nearly 30 years, just, if anything, to get your mind wrapped in something outside of our fishbowl, and our fishbowl rocks. It's mm-hmm, great. For sure. But the world can be full of algae at times in that fishbowl. So sometimes to get yourself out there and look and think of think about other things, beautiful. Well, that's yeah. part of the reason why I did it too was career development, just to meet some people, to work at T-Mobile Arena there in in, mm-hmm. in Las Vegas, and just there's some great professionals out in all the uh, Las Vegas shows, all the sports that's going on, that kind of thing. And for me, it's fun to get out there about that time of year. I'm starting to go stir crazy from the winter, and just gives my mind something else to do in the off season and and some fun to fun people to work with and some fun mm-hmm. things to do. So it's always great. And you always have a good story when you come back. I try to. That's that's 99% of it. You got to come back with something fun to talk about. Either either you potentially had a really good week or you yeah. got your butt handed to you. And this year I got my butt handed to me. They're, so um, good. they're definitely are professionals <laughs> yeah. in Las Vegas. <laughs> we'll just end it at that. Yes, yeah. that is for sure. Absolutely. And um, I'm glad we're, we're done talking about college basketball because now it's time to move on to the, the exciting news here in Minnesota. Patrick Peterson is back. Mm-hmm. What about that? I know the last time we recorded Minnesota Vikings podcast, Patrick Peterson had not signed his contract. So the fact that one side of our secondary is now complete with Harrison Smith and P2 on one side, now we can start focusing on the rest of the defense. PA, your thoughts? Well, with Patrick, um, I'm fond of Patrick, even though I didn't chat a ton with him last year. He's very smart, he's very calculated, and he's very... He's just very in control when he responds to things. He's just a very sharp guy. Well, we're going to find out how good he is this year uh, mm-hmm. because they threw it with Shad Breland, Cam Dantzler, and whomever else the entire season. Yep. So Patrick didn't get a lot of work. Um, now, with Patrick, I think it suits the team best if he's the second or third best cornerback on this team because right now he's the best. And, and that's with all due respect to Chandon Sullivan, you know, but I just haven't watched him as much as Patrick. Uh, but but nevertheless, with a 3-4 defense and running it as base here for the first time in 40 years, it's there's so many different ways to attack an offense. Mm-hmm. Where if you go back to like the 2004 Pittsburgh Steelers, it's one of the best 3-4 defenses in the last 20 years. Their cornerbacks were Deshae Townsend and Willie Williams, Mm -hmm. and they weren't great. Deshae was good, not great, not close to Patrick Peterson. But they still gave up 15 points a game, number one in the NFL, 177 passing yards a game, fourth in the NFL, Mm -hmm. number one against the run. Now, I know we got Paul Amalu, Harrison, Lamar Clark, um, and, and Aaron Smith, really, really underrated, good defensive end, but... Your corners, like the Jets had a 3-4 with Darrell Rivas. Okay, that that shut down the whole thing. But you don't have to have a, a standout corner to run the 3-4. So I'm, it's just fascinating with the draft coming. 
Yeah, that's interesting you say that because I, I, I always bring up this point. The last press conference Quasi Odofamenta, Vikings general manager, did, the last thing he said was this defense is built to make it easy on the cornerback. Mm-hmm. So if P2 being the first or second best cornerback on this roster, that's great for what we're trying to do because mm-hmm. everything else, like if it gets to the cornerback situation, okay, we if, it, if the ball gets to the cornerback side of the field, we got you covered. We got a linebacker swarming your way or a safety coming down. So. That is, I think, I think it's great news to just uh, have that insurance policy, understanding that, okay, we're covered no matter what. My secondary take before the draft, and, you know, I, I like Mike Zimmer. We're friends, but I'm also willing to concede for everybody to hear Mike's approach uh, this day and age may not have been for everybody, including Cam Dantzler. Mm-hmm. And I know Cam can play. And, you know, against DK Metcalf and uh, uh, Armand Ross St. Brown with uh, Detroit, Cam had some moments where he freaked out under pressure. But maybe maybe the approach with Cam was one that had his mind, so it was spinning. Yeah. So I just I think Cam's going to jump out of his skin this year. The other thing that's going to be really interesting, too, is there was a ton of talk this offseason saying, well, if we are switching over to 3-4, they're saying, actually, there's going to be kind of a hybrid situation mm-hmm. between 3-4, 4-3, and even a ton of nickel. Just asking the question of whatever fits best that we see as a scheme moving into a game, that's kind of the approach that they're going to go with. So I'm really curious to see when you have a guy like Chandon Sullivan come in, you sit there and think, well, yeah, he's going to be a cornerback, but do they potentially throw him at nickel? Is it right. something like that where they can grab some of these guys they just brought in between he and Nate Hairston and see if they fit in some of those role mm-hmm. pieces better? And also, who knows what's going to happen with the draft coming up. So if if you end up snagging some sort of a top-tier blue-chip kind of guy, I mean, there's a ton of flux that can happen here within this cornerback position. Yeah, speaking of the cornerback position, PA, we talked a lot about what the fans were asking in pick six this week about what do we do with that cornerback situation if the cornerback that we want is at the 12th overall pick. First and foremost, who do we take? But secondly, if those cornerbacks are not there, do we trade up? Do we trade down? There's so many different scenarios. And Vikings fans, make sure you go to Vikings.com to listen and watch that right now um, because Ron Johnson, PA, myself, there were some really good questions and um, really good analysis by those guys just talking about what this draft means for this Minnesota Vikings team that is coming up well, a little bit over three weeks away. So um, I, I want to talk about that. Lastly, that the Steelers defense that you just talked about that has had so many different things that three, four defense. I remember they had a term called the confusion of chaos mm-hmm. where literally one guy would be the nose tackle and he would be in a three-point stance and everyone else would just be standing up roaming around Mm -hmm. like you didn't know what if as an offensive lineman you didn't know who was blitzing what's going on how this person fits who's doing this and I think as an offensive coordinator for the opposing team if you see that you're like we don't know what to do we're just going to run our play and just say hopefully we can get lucky here so Ed Donatel I think with some of these pieces like Jay said Nate Harrison Shannon Sullivan that ultimately helps with this complex of illusion that Kevin O'Connell and everyone is starting to use around here because we want to do things right but we don't we don't want to make it easy for the opposing team to figure out I'm I'm preaching loudly nine to noon KFAN flagship um, that the unpredictability is an advantage for the Minnesota Vikings and that includes into the draft Quasi Adolfo Mensa has never led a draft likewise for Kevin O'Connell Ryan Grigson has led drafts but not here. Yep. So the everything being so new, there could be 12 up to four. There could be 12 back to 20. There could be staying at 12. Why? Why? You know, because it, it looks so obvious that the Vikings have a void at corner back. Mm-hmm. And, and it's true. They, they need corner or cor- corners. I also happen to think they need thicker, heavier linebackers, specifically inside. And they need a defensive end or two who can play like Aaron Smith, Justin Smith, some of these big-time 3-4 defensive ends doing what they do, holding holding the point of attack. But let's not forget the Rams, where uh, the, the spot whence Kevin O'Connell came, go four wide a lot. All right, we got J.J., Adam's nearing the end, but if he's healthy, you can't stop him. Right. K.J. needs to show that last year was not a fluke. Okay, where do we go after that? We can say Amir Smith-Marset, but, I mean, if, if I'm looking for KJ to prove it wasn't a fluke, what am I looking for there? Right. So why not a receiver at 12? I mean, you got this head coach where the offense is the identity of the team. It it last year was good to very good, and at times very good to very high end. Yeah. If, if you hit it right this year, it's very good to high end every single game. 
and it becomes the true identity of the team, which is the identity of the coach. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I ain't sleeping on receiver at 12. I'm not kidding you. And I love that take, too, because I think all of the moves that have happened in free agency give you that flexibility to get to that spot. Boom. If you think about all the corners, the offensive linemen, even going after a guy like Hicks and bringing him in at linebacker, that now makes it so that you can pick for whoever is the best available versus best at need. Yep. And so for me, I, I just love the moves that have been made, especially in the last two weeks where people were saying, we don't have any cornerbacks. We don't have uh, offensive linemen. We need to figure out what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Now that you've gone through and at least addressed with a bunch of people you think are going to be, be able to come in at minimum to compete for a position, now you can go out and get the best player available at whatever position you pick in the first round. I make this Mankato kid, Chris Reed, uh, by mm-hmm. way of Omaha. I make him favored to win right guard, and here's why. Uh, There's clearly a problem that he's not sticking with teams, okay? But you were here, man, in 2018. When the Jags came in for those joint practices, George Payton, now the general manager for the Denver Broncos, was gushing about Chris Reed. Not like it's going to be Randall McDaniel, Marshall, Marshall Yonda, Steve Hutchinson, not like that, but we have been the land of misfit guards. It seems like since Hutch left, We've needed every Anthony Herrera to roll in here <laughs> left and right. And and I thought, honestly, they were going to try to trade for Reed. So he, he took an L with an injury in 16. Yep. That was 18. But see, he won't stick. He's with Miami for a minute, Carolina a year and Carolina, a half. Yep. Uh, filled in for Quentin Nelson last year for six. Uh, but he has the same height and weight as Marshall Yonda. So size wouldn't be a concern. So I like this Chris Reed, man. I ain't kidding you. But that's also the same thing. Like, if you think about it, the Colts, you know that he is not going to be the starter at that position, given you have basically an all-pro at that position every single Mm -hmm. year. So if he's a guy that we feel like has the potential, I mean, he's been in the league long enough that you start to realize that people trust that he knows what he's doing as a professional. Right. So I'm hoping that at this point, if he comes in and he's somebody that finally gets a shot, like a fair shake to say, this is potentially your starting position that he puts his best foot forward. And we, he really sticks here in the Minnesota Vikings offensive line. And you add on top of that, that he was with arguably the best offensive line in the league last year with the Indianapolis coast. The Indianapolis coast are revered for how many offensive linemen that they make pro bowlers every single season. And yep. you add in a guy with Chris Reed who has proven to be able to be able to, to play in this league. You add that on top of Indianapolis Colts fans didn't want him to leave. They understood I mean, you got Ryan Kelly behind him, so it's like, thank you for for everything you did. We don't want you to leave. But the fact that so many people are high on him, Zadarius Smith is high on him, Patrick Peterson is high on Chris Reed, I think that makes a lot of sense for why this Minnesota Vikings team made this move. And I think just moving forward, when you add in that right guard competition, that makes for a really interesting training camp. And you have the draft. And, and, and I'm, dra- not, I'm not ruling out Davis, the Dolphin, or the Schlotman bit from yeah. Peyton's team. But or why Davis? But right, all oh right. Yeah, and and I'm glad you brought that up because we've talked about Kellen Mond before, and God bless the previous regime. I have a lot of friends with that regime, but I just heard too frequently he can't play, can't play, can't play, can't play. And I'm not going to get into an argument with those who make a living coaching. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to like go out of my, my way to formulate my opinion. Not that it would matter to them anyway. But how can you tell that off the scout team? (laughs) So, I mean, are we just going to take a little training camp part? Every time we would head to a stadium on the road on my bus, there's Kellen right in front of me Mm -hmm. in his assigned seat because we had kind of had assigned seats. And he's in his surface. And he's writing every single time I saw him. He's memorizing. The kid is trying his off to not necessarily show others that he belongs, but to stick. Mm-hmm. Wyatt Davis is he's one A to Kellamon. I mean, because Wyatt had an injury into OT or into minicam mm-hmm. and he just got lost in the shuffle. Then in the preseason, man, you know, I'm having people tell me that he's always on the ground. So I'd go back and watch it, and they're right. Okay. But you know what? In life, you have the right to not be as good at that moment as everybody says you're gonna be. And and the redemptive nature of all of this is that the recollection he was Big Ten Offensive Lineman mm-hmm. of the Year. So there has to be something that goes into that that we haven't seen. So you put Wyatt Davis in there too. But a key for me, ma'am, is when Sean McVay took over the Rams in 2017, he drafted Cooper Cup in the third round mm-hmm. from Eastern Washington. And we need to do something like that in this draft. doesn't have to be a receiver, 
But it ain't bad to be one of those teams for the first time in forever. On on Saturday, we hit on two offensive linemen. One can play right now, and the other you like. You know, so that could fill the guard void. By the way, we need a backup tackle. Until Darisaw makes all the dances, we need a backup tackle who can play. Um, and and let's just be that team that hits on offensive linemen days two and three. I think that was the thing. If you think about the 1990s, that was so dominant was that offensive line. You think about your Jeff Christie's, your Stussy's, those kind yeah. of guys that were like the beef eaters that you never really had to worry about. They were the staples from those 90s teams. If you can get back to that now here in the 2020s, that could be something that could last for an entire decade and just create even more dominance in a team that has always done well at the running game. And then when you give them time, the passing game to, to make some strikes downfield mm-hmm. on top of your analogy, what you're just saying, those people that stick around are the ones that get back up. And so it's the idea of making sure that if you have guys like Wyatt Davis or even Kellen Mond, who we felt struggled last year, at least the previous regime felt struggled last year, having the new people that walk in the door understand that, we need to find ways to get these guys to put them in better positions to succeed. Yep. So hopefully that's something that's been identified here this well, offseason. Andrew Janoco, now the quarterback's coach for the Bears, very smart, and I know Andrew very well. And I know Andrew busted his butt working with Kellen. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you bust your butt with the memorization games and stuff like that, but then you get into practice and all you can do is show it on the scout team where the other guys know what's coming. You have no chance. So now for Kellen, new voices, kind of like what I said earlier about Cam Dantzler, is new voices, new approach. It's a new era. It's a new generation, okay? I'm 56. I ain't, you know, get off my get off mm-hmm. my lawn guy. No, instead, I recognize and embrace the new generation and adapt with it, right. not against it. And they're just there, I've just seen it in my 20 years calling games here that there have been old schoolers whether it's Treadwell, whether it's Cordero Patterson, whomever it is, be like, well, that's it, I'm out. And then they're out. Then the guy ain't playing. Yeah. You know, where now these guys, Kellen and Davis, Patrick Jones to a certain extent, man, they come in here. It should just should be so beautiful for them to get a new opportunity. Yeah. I'm excited to watch it. I'm a, really pulling for Kellen. And, and I think for Kellen, his his ultimate goal is to be the backup, the solidified backup quarterback this year, like yep. you said. But it might have been a bad pick, too. It, it, it might have been a bad pick. We don't know. We haven't really seen it outside of the Green Bay Packers game. And name a rookie quarterback that's went into Green Bay wow. last last week that's, of the season. It's and impossible. So it, it hasn't really the, – the chips have not stacked up to his favor when it came to, I guess, playing time just yet. So I think for him is making that next step, giving the defense a really good look in practice and being that solidified well, backup starter. Like so mean, it's going to be a, a quarterback competition between him and Sean res- With all due respect, Mannion was terrible in the game at Lambeau. But the reason he started is because he's Cousins right-hand man. He's a veteran. And he knows everything about this offense. And he knows where all the bones are buried with the offense yep. because he's not running the scout team. Right. So even just having that two-roll to supplant eight every so often, you just learn so much. Mm-hmm. I love having Sean on the team. It's on KFAM when people make fun of it, you know, because his performances we've seen just haven't been great. It's you don't get the in the room nuance, mm-hmm. on the sideline nuance of keeping Kirk calm. And Kirk's very, very smart, but so is Sean. Yeah. And you put those two brainiacs together. You think it has anything to do with Kirk going for three thousand and high change mm-hmm. and and a, a touchdown to interception ratio three or four to one? Hell yeah, it does. Well, you know, everyone says the backup quarterback is always the smartest player on the team, mm-hmm. and Sean Mayne has proved everybody right. I mean, look at yeah. <laughs> Kevin O'Connell; he was a backup for so long. Now look at his trajectory; he's a head yeah. coach now in the NFL, and I think That's cool, Sean Mayne is going to continue to to help Kirk, but help this entire team. The amount of times I see guys, especially when they're doing the combine and it's the quarterback drills, mm-hmm. nine times out of ten I'm going, offensive coordinator, <laughs> offensive coordinator, <laughs> offensive coordinator, just future <laughs> offensive coordinator yep. for so many of these yeah. guys. Speaking speaking of a backup quarterback, a um, are you a, warming your arm up? A, a story a story <laughs> for the podcast that takes us back down memory lane. We go to 2012, and you know we Christian Ponder was a problem, so therefore Bill Musgrave, the offensive coordinator, Ponder's in his second year, so he's still learning. And we got Adrian. So we're at Seattle. Terrible game. Ponder's awful. Percy freaks out after the game with Leslie. You know, like, what the hell are we doing here? Blah, blah, blah. So Bill Musgrave, made uh, the offensive coordinator, made one of the great moves that I've seen in my 20 column for this team. Is he was basically like, I don't care if you put 9 or 10 in the box. We're running Adrian every <laughs> single play. 
We go to St. Louis. Jeff Fisher has a five-man front. So he's going to start with a five-man front. Adrian splits it, gets loose for 70, pulled out of that quickly. But but the but the point is, is that Christian was able to improve at a slower rate. Adrian became MVP that year. So then we get to the playoffs. We're at Lambeau Field. Ponder, uh, he's just got this purple, red, awful bruise up yeah, and it was down. Ridiculous. Remember how bad that oh, thing was? It looked? was nuts. It was so, black. So they, they were trying to get him to go because Christian was playing good at that time. He beat A Rodge in the last game of the season, mm. winning in, winning in. He can't play. So I'm down on the field before the game, about an hour and a half before the game. And I'm chatting with somebody with the Vikings and somebody maybe with NFL Network. And I'm watching equipment guy Adam Groney throw the ball. And then I'm like, and Adam has a hose, okay? He's an equipment guy. If you ever go to a game and, and look at the equipment guys helping the players, he always throws with the quarterback, thin guy, dark hair. And I, I said to somebody, the equipment guy is not supposed to have the best arm of all of these quarterbacks throwing, <laughs> right? I mean, I think Grony was willing to suit up that game whoa, if you needed him. Yeah, yeah and that was <laughs> eye-opening to me when it came to the back of a quarterback because I'm like, our equipment guy has a better arm than anybody on our team throwing. Oh, my God. And how many of the wide receivers were raising their hands saying, I'm willing to jump in at quarterback if yeah. you need me at well, that point? I think point. Michael Jen- Jenkins was trying to sneak him a uniform yeah. to play. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to these fan questions. We talked about it in pick six earlier this week. We have where every time we do pick six, we ask fans to submit questions to Tatum and myself. That's at Tatum Everett or at Gabe A. Henderson or at PA on the mic. I know Jay doesn't want to give his Twitter handle. It's up. out there at this okay. point. I'm good. Big J. You got Twitter? Then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you're like Spielman used to be. You got one of those secret Twitters just like the burner ripping account. On, yeah, burner account. You and KD ripping on Gabe and I. Oh, <laughs> I don't I'm, even know it's you. That, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just in our comments. Uh, now the like, best part's going to be the two of you cycling through trying yeah, to figure out yeah. which one it is. I'm like, I'm looking through one going, hey, way to botch the Greg Joseph call, you freaking clown. And I'm like, damn, KD knows me? Ooh. Weird. All right, let's get to these fan questions. Every time we do pick six, we always have questions that don't make the show. And it is always a pleasure to actually put them in this show because it's first and foremost cross promotion. People that listen to MVP watch pick six and vice versa. So, PA, first question is coming from Madden Sim Live. His question is What are the chances the Vikings go for offensive weapons, second to fourth rounders, and what would be good picks? Wide receivers look awesome this year. I love for a team to find a stud to work with and under all pro players like Thielen and JJ. You just talked you just talked about this not long ago. I'm a fan of wide receiver at 12. I'm not going to bang my proverbial hand on this table because I don't know enough about it, but don't forget your head coach is offense. And there are going to be two or three very good receivers available at 12. And if you want to go four wide, put Kirk on short drops so he doesn't hold the ball too long and find players crossing and attacking the middle zone, you probably need another high-end receiver. Mm. So there's that. I want them to draft a quarterback. Um, I want them somehow, some way to hit on a quarterback who can compete and then eventually maybe help the team and specifically the ownership group take that sledgehammer out of Kirk's hand. I love Kirk. And I love his faith, and I love his father, Don. And there are a lot of great things about Kirk uh, that that I can – the praises I could sing. And he's a very good quarterback too. But it's – you just need more flexibility there than we have. Offensive line, need two of them. One needs to play. Tight end, I think we're good. Um, Good at running back. Yeah, that's pretty much it. But receiver at 12, man, I'm cool. Primary example of that too is the Kansas City Chiefs. Think about year after year after year, they bring out these speedsters Mm – and put them out there, and they're at the point now where they get rid of the cheetah down to Miami. But in that scenario, they're looking at it saying, we still have a ton of speed on this offense, and a guy like Patrick Mahomes can utilize that, where if he's got time, he can hit the deep throw. If he doesn't, Mm -hmm. he can hit the cross. And how many times do you see guys like Kelsey running off a screen or vice versa, setting a screen in order to get those speedsters out Mm -hmm. in open field? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of receivers that you can find in the second and third round also, and I think that kind of answers their question a little bit, what you guys said, and then just, you know, the Traylon Burks of the world or the George Pickens from from University of Georgia, David Bell, I mean, a sub-4-4 guy. There's a lot of speed in the later rounds of the draft, and what both of you guys are just saying is like, okay, yeah, if if the receiver is not there at 12, 
then we don't have to force it. But if he is, and he's the best player available, yeah. we have made moves. Like Jay said earlier, we have made moves to put us in the situation to eventually go after the best player available instead of showing our hand too soon. Well, if Armin Watts can't play defensive end in a 3-4... <laughs> And and I and I like his size and I like his country strength and I love how he improved last year. I'm an Armin Watts guy. I have him penciled in as a starting defensive end in the three four. Now remember, we got to change our minds, man, because defensive ends in three four are dramatically yeah. different than four three. You got to be thicker. You got to be stronger up top. You need to hold the point of attack to keep those bodies off undersized linebackers. But if Watts doesn't start, and I don't know who's starting at the other defensive end in a 3-4, we're stuck. Yeah. And that means 12 strongly needs to be considered a 3-4 defensive end. I don't know who it would be, but the names that I rattled off from back in the day, Aaron Smith, Justin Smith, some of the guys the um, uh, the Packers had, yep. Ryan Pickett to a certain extent, you know, when they're, when they're running their 3-4, uh, the, the Bears, and, and, you know, when they – Akeem Hicks. I mean, Akeem Hicks with Eddie Goldman playing the nose, a young Akeem Hicks. Mm. I mean, that that's the bomb at defensive end. All right, question number two. It's coming from Garm underscore A1. Is it possible we trade up for Cal Hamilton, safety, University of Notre Dame? Um, I would bet no. Uh, trade up 12, like into the top 10. Yeah. Well, top five. Yeah, top five. Right. The last, uh, so was it Jamal Adams, the last one to be drafted like yeah. that high? Mm-hmm. I All think right. third. Yeah. And Jamal, I mean, okay. He's okay. It's not in Hitman's class. Right. Never has been. Uh, I am not in favor of trading up for a safety, uh, specifically when you got Hitman and you're paying him and you got Bynum by faith. I think Bynum will be okay, but I ain't sure. Shannon mm-hmm. Sullivan can play safety. And and the the Green Bay Packers and, and Joe Barry, they really, really creatively with um with Russell Douglas and the way they use their corners oh, yeah. and their safeties, the the three four permits you the opportunity to get weird on the back end right. and use corners at safety or three safeties. So Bynum, Hitman, and Sullivan. But trading up for a safety, I'm out. I'm with you on that. I think there will be a lot of opportunities to get a safety later on in the draft. So why spend unnecessary money right. where you're not going to get much value for your pick when you have two safeties or yep. at least one? Cam Bynum is kind of penciled in right now, but if you have two safeties back there, there's no need to well, to it, go and, and try to chase one. Teams are sides of the ball that are layered, specifically defense. Defensive line, linebackers, then corners, and then behind them, safeties. So it's... I mean, that is an unbelievable commitment yeah. for players who do not impact every play. Mm-hmm. You you can scheme a safety out of a play easier than anybody else on the field. So now all of a sudden I got this new age honey badger or new yeah. age hitman. And like in the um, 2017 NFC title game at Philadelphia, they schemed hitman out of the game. Yep. And and so, I mean, what do you do? So that, that that's a big no. That's the thing. For me, if you're moving into the top 10, I just kind of feel like the draft capital you have to get to get to that point yeah. makes me feel like this has to be a franchise-altering player. And for someone like him to come in, like you guys just cited, the fact that Harrison is here at least for a few more years, he's getting mm-hmm. paid like he is. Bynum, like you said, feels like he there's something there, like he can stick long-term. I just feel like you're giving up a lot in order to move up those positions to get a guy, like you said, that can potentially be schemed out of a play. If the Vikings did something like that, that means one of two things. They're moving Cam Bynum to nickel or they're moving Cam Bynum to Cam Bynum back to corner where he played in college. Yeah. And that's that's very tough to do. Very tough to do. Understanding that he just learned a brand new position in the league playing safety. Now he has to relearn how to play corner. That that's that's saying a lot. It's probably easier to, to play to move from corner to safety and the safety to corner, but uh, man, that hey. that is that is altering a altering move. Your your guy Malik Willis, yep. Your friend Malik Willis, mm-hmm. Liberty Liberty, Liberty Liberty. <laughs> I know. If that waiting. leads to an advertisement, I get five percent. <laughs> um, where do you think he's going to be drafted? Not what you read. I want your football loving heart. Now I think he'll be drafted to the top ten. Yeah, Carolina Panthers. Okay. Well, as long as he's, as long as it's not Detroit or Washington. I'm okay. We'll see, but here's the deal: is if he's there at 12, there is a bevy of teams who are going to want to come and get him, or the guy with the small hands. Mm-hmm. And to be able to do that and move back and get a first rounder next year, and potentially be involved in that quarterback draft, 
when your quarterback now is now a year older, thirty mm-hmm. um, some odd million dollars off the um, off off the books again. Um, so that's I cast my gaze that way at twelve. Okay, if, if one of those quarterbacks I like Willis better than small hands guy, but nevertheless Pittsburgh, I'm telling you. Might come oh, up. Absolutely. They might come up and get him. He fits in Pittsburgh. So you're saying if Malik is at 12, trade it to Pittsburgh because you can get you you again, everything's new. We don't know what to expect from mm. from Quasey and the rest of the gang. So we don't know what they're simmering on or what they love. Now they got to be right. Yeah. But it's counterculture and antithetical to anything we've known over the last decade and a half. I mean, this old dog right here is being taught a new trick. And I love it. So where where would that compare to the Aaron Rodgers Packers mm. trading up for Jordan Love versus signing a receiver if we signed a quarterback with the 12th overall pick? No, you don't have to answer it if no, you No, we ain't doing that. Okay. No, I'm saying, no, the Vikings, I would be flabbergasted okay. if they took a quarterback at 12. Okay. In fact, I'm willing to say it ain't going to happen, not speaking for the team. I'm saying if somebody wants that quarterback spot, Trade let them back. come up. Yeah. You go back. You get another pick for next year. Now you got two first next year. Where, from what I understand, there are three, maybe four quarterbacks coming into the draft 2023. And you know more about college football than I'll ever know, but the Gators guy and whomever. Bryce Young. Right. Like, in, I mean, even if you got to be like A Rod and sit three years behind eight, I'm cool with that too. Personally, I look at it and say, if you are thinking that Willis is going to get out of pick 11, you're crazy, in my opinion, because you've got well, the Giants who have to figure out what they're going to do with Daniel Jones, if they want him long-term or not. Giants have picks number five and seven. Carolina's at six. The Falcons just got rid of Matt Ryan, so he's at they're at eight. Mm. And then Seattle's at nine, and Willis just reminds me yep. of a Russell Wilson type, which is what they liked for their offense. He doesn't so, see it as quickly, mark my words. And, and Yeah, go ahead. I'm well, trying to knock Malik Willis. No, that's right. fine. I'm just remember being at the Combine and knowing people I know, not here, and I talked to two teams that had just met with Malik, and they're like, yes, yes, yes. It doesn't ah it doesn't just snap quick. He's he's non he's very nonchalant and he's one of those guys where he's a processor. Yeah. So it doesn't happen as quickly for him as it would for a guy at Alabama. Not saying that he can't make the throws, but it may take a little bit little bit longer. That's why he took so many sacks last year, or why wow. it took a little bit longer where he's throwing his interceptions. He was a little later down the field and it's like Hey, you got to read this now. The ball should be coming out here, but he overthought it. He overthinks it, and which ultimately led to some of those bad decisions. And so. I think if if you're a team that's looking at a guy like him, you have a sample size from last year and a guy like Justin Fields, yeah. who kind of had similar issues where yep. it felt like just wasn't happening fast enough, which is why he was holding on to the ball mm-hmm. too long and he was missing his windows. But, but Gabe, we, I mean, you you do stats for me on, on in with road games uh, when I call them, and, and you help in the booth here at U.S. Bank Stadium. That Monday night, now Chicago's downtrodden, man. They ain't going anywhere. And like 19 guys got bit. So we got weird got names running all over the yeah. place. J- Justin Fields, man, it's like I was watching him and I can see it. I can see the aura you see. He has it. But then you watch the game back and it's like, here, kitty, kitty. He's just like mm. looking at one guy the whole time. Right. But again, you, it's okay to to concede I have to learn. Or, or it's not a busted pick if if it's like it didn't work exactly perfectly this year. Mm-hmm. I, I I think I might love Justin Fields, to be honest with you. I think he's going to be one of the most fascinating people to watch in year two because normally that sophomore year, teams have an entire season's worth of footage to look at yep. and, and ways to neutralize what he likes to do. Yeah, Trubisky was the same kind of thing where Trubisky year one, there were flashes of things that he just he made our life miserable in a couple games at times, but there was still a lot of things that people had issues with. Mm. Now he's going into that sophomore year and you're just sitting there saying, does he figure it out how to neutralize that stuff? Yeah. Or do they put the clamps down even harder on a guy like that who struggled at certain things and they yeah. say, that's all we're going to let you do? Man, there's so many things to talk about because now you triggered me on Green Bay and I'm like, Preston Smith, good player. You remember him from Washington when you worked there. That's a Darius. With, um, with uh, the Wren, the <laughs> entertainment network. But Preston has not been as potent without Zadarius. Right. And go ahead and look back at the games and look back at the numbers. And this whole Devontae thing, and like Aaron knew it was coming, and he still took the money, and Devontae, I mean, he couldn't, Devontae could not have gotten out there any more quickly than he did. Mm-hmm. So this division is super winnable. It is a super winnable division. And the the Motor City Kitties, the Lions, they're going to jump up this year. They are. They're going to like, I agree. Jump up to like seven or eight wins. Mm-hmm. Mark my words. 
Uh, moving on to another guy going into his sophomore year, Kane Wangwu. This question is by Sayings by Steve. His <laughs> his username is Nacho Average Handle. <laughs> his question is over under on King Kane's return kickoff taken to the house this year. One and a half. Oh, wait, okay. over under? Yeah. Yeah, one and a half. Which way, which, excuse me, which way would you metaphorically think about playing? Over. I would go over. Over. I would go over. Like he had, he but had, I want him to impact the backfield because when when they tried last year, it didn't look right. It right. wasn't natural. He, I mean, we, what we would see in practice at training camps, like, hey, yeah. Madison better bust his butt or this guy might take his money. But when we saw it in the games, it, it, it's hesitation too much, too and he much can't thinking. catch swimming. I mean, I, I can't say he can't catch. Uh, he didn't at Iowa State, and he didn't here last year. But he's a guy for me that he is your prototypical speed guy. This is the kind of player yeah. you want to get the ball because. Yeah. Like with having on kickoffs, you have a little bit of time to get the motor going. I think the issue is reading what he's seeing in front of him when there's just a ton of wash there Mm -hmm. and then being able to have a situation where he starts to pick it up quicker. It's a little bit better. You put him back there at minimum. Teams are going to have to start looking at this saying he's a speed guy. We have to have at least somebody watching him. And once he starts to really get going and gashing that that's where it'll force like linebackers and even some of the the speed rushers up front to pause for a second to account for him which can give Kirk more time so I'm hoping that he can get utilized more this year especially as a speed guy when you have speed like that and Van Jefferson heading into his third year with the Rams all right now that Gator he's not he's not gonna single-handedly win games for you fast as bleep they came here on a short week Tuesday to Sunday O'Connell, the offensive coordinator for the Rams, and I've talked to Kevin about this, man, because I went back and counted it before I met him in in person. And I think they faked the jet, the Mm -hmm. jet sweep, with Van Jefferson 13 times and never gave it to him (laughs) once. And it permitted Sony Michelle to weave his way in the zone running scheme and pull Kendricks and Harrison Smith out of the equation. It was masterful how they did that on a short week. Wong Wu can be fake jet guy, give him the jet, you know, so that's that, that's my comp there. Yeah, there there's a lot of speed on this Vikings roster. I'm even thinking of Amir Smith-Marset also, if you want to use as a jet guy, that yeah. you don't have to say, okay, when this guy's in, we got to alert, we got to be alert for number 15, because I think of a guy in Tutu Atwell for, for the LA Rams last year. He's the reason why we lost to the LA Rams last year. He had that one punt return, sent it back to the house, and then he came in for a few fake reverses, fake jet sweeps, mm. and it's like, oh, well, this guy just scored a touchdown on us, so now we really have to account for him. So Kevin O'Connell, I'm sure he's licking his chops right now, just looking at all the weapons we have on the offense and the defensive side of the ball. So a lot to be done between now and September, whenever that first weekend of September is. But I, I'm the, the competition battles are going to be at an all-time high this offseason. Um, and before we get to there, I want to get to our last question. Um, last question, a guy that's currently on the roster. His name is Kenny Willekes, and a question comes from Noel. I was – Impressed with Kenny Willekes, he had limited playing time but was productive, just tenacious. Does he have the potential to rotate in as an outside linebacker and DN in both a three four and four three defense? See, I got. I mean, I, yes, I liked Willekes when we were at Baltimore, and I mean, he really jumped out of his skin, truly in his big time debut. Um, so I like Kenny. He's another year older. Um, I don't, you know, I don't have his measurables in front mm-hmm. of me right now. And and again, if you're playing a three four, think. Think six four six five two ninety mm-hmm. to three hundred. Okay, in a three four defensive end, inside linebackers, James Harrison, players like that. Although James went outside, think two forty eight, two fifty three, two forty four mm-hmm. down, down to that. Mm-hmm. Kendricks is two thirty and change. You know, so Hicks isn't isn't close to that. Zadarius Smith is, but how much are they going to run the three four? Again, it's fascinating the newness. And and the unpredictability coming at us with this team. That's why I'm so interested to see what what Janarius Robinson does. Big time took a took a year off. He had a knee injury last training camp, yep. and now he's gained some more weight. He's got a little bit faster, and now you mix you know his finesse. Like he was never a power guy. He's never going to bomb rush your quarterback because he's such has a long has such a long frame. So when you, when you put that together with a Josh Hinks of the world or a Derek Keys that's in the weight room getting these guys right. And he's another guy that's been here all offseason. He mm-hmm. hasn't went home from January, when the last January 9th was the last game of the season, until now when we're recording this episode in the beginning of April. So 
Um, I, I'm excited to see what he can bring, but I'm also excited to see what Patrick Jones II second can do because he's more of a bull rusher. If you put those two guys together, you have a Daniil Hunter or you have a Zadarius Smith. So which one of those guys make, takes that next step oh. to solidify? Robinson, 6'5", 260. Yeah. Sign me he's up perfect. right now. He's perfect size. For for a 3-4 defensive end, yep. sign me up right now. Him on the same – all you got to do is ask him, hey, just contain. Yeah. Like, don't get blown off the ball. Right. And, and Zadarius Smith or Daniel Hunter will get an easy rush to yep. the quarterback. So I'm glad you brought him up. That's good He, he has to be uh, – both one of, if not both, one of those guys has to make another step in their career because you, you can't depend on – three defensive ends in this upcoming year's draft. Even though this upcoming year's draft is very deep at the defensive end outside linebacker position, you can't put all your 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 eggs in one basket and say, this guy's going to be a starter on day one. You got you got to make it competitive. And and it it again comes down to how much you run that three four. Because if you're going to run three four as a base and use it on first and second down, and then your th- your your nickel may be a three three five or some hybrid three four with with a weird a safety in a weird spot in a corner in a weird spot like Jay said, then you need thickness at mm-hmm. the defensive end spot and inside linebacker. Man, you know who would be really good on this roster, but I know he doesn't want to move from safety to linebacker. I worked with him when I was in Washington. Got a really big time contract. Oh, the Alabama bit? Alabama guy. Yeah, but he's terrible. He's terrible against the pass. Put him at linebacker. Yeah, what's your guy's what name again? Landon Collins. Oh yeah, you see, yeah. Yeah. He I remember I like Landon Collins. Yeah. And he is an absolute in the box safety, and he'll hit the bleep out of you. Yep. He is a stone cold liability in the passing game. Yep. So that's at least that was what I was told by offensive coordinators that's here true. when we went against WFT WTF. But if you got if you have Daniil and Zadarius Smith, and by the way, you need somebody behind them. Right. So again, you know we're spending all these picks, man. You know, thinking a corner absolutely at twelve. Well, I don't say absolutely because you do need a receiver. You need two offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. You need at least two in the secondary. So right there, that that seems like all of our picks. All right, I'm going to get you guys out of here with, with this last question. Are there any other moves this Vikings team needs to make before the draft comes April 28th? Anybody um, anybody sign Akeem Hicks? No. Well, see, th- this is the pick your poison here. This is the cutting off your nose despite your face because our defensive line coach, Chris Rump, was with the Bears last mm-hmm. year, and he worked with Akeem. Now, Akeem, you know, <laughs> he's right at the end, mm-hmm. and and he's like 10 years into it, but it, it's maybe it's because he has just absolutely demoralized <laughs> and demolished us so much <laughs> that I'm infatuated with him. Yeah. But with, as a rotation substitute kind of guy, Akeem Hicks would be the bomb on this mm-hmm. team. But he's not here. Granted, you know, we ain't got the most money in the world. Mm-hmm. And his former position coach is here. So he knows where the bones are buried. But I'm an Akeem Hicks fan. I still think we need thickness and girth yeah. and thrust with the with the front seven. Mm-hmm. So I'm an Akeem Hicks guy. If you're going to stay on that line of thinking, then there's another name that right now is still sitting at number one on the list at those positions. Jadavian Clowney. Yes. Out. I'm just saying, like, if you if you want a guy that that can fit those pieces, no, he wants too much money. But that's the problem. He's a liability against the run. That's the problem. Yeah. So I already we already had Ngakwe. I, I don't want to see that again. And that's the that I think that's the issue. You look at Clowney. You think about him coming out of college. You think about him knocking the helmet off the Michigan mm-hmm. player and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And the fanfare he's had. Another guy. You're like, why hasn't he stuck with the team yep. when he's supposed to be that good? Yeah. So he's the number one guy currently on the free agent list mm-hmm. as as far as defensive edge rushers. Well, what's Outs- his size? He's um, six seven, right? He's like six seven. He's got to be sixty five. Oh, really? Is that yeah, he's what? huge. Okay. I mean, the other two names on the list are Trey Flowers and Melvin Ingram. Any of those guys do anything for you at, at the edge rusher? So, keep. Mm. Well, you got more. I, I have I have one. Um, Jason Pierre Paul. I think he would be he would fit great on this defense. I mean, it, it comes down to cash, and it comes yes. down to like in Tampa they play a four three. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kansas new- City runs a 3-4, and Ingram, when he came in for all like 15 snaps a game, they were a very good fifth. Mm-hmm. Now, Melvin Ingram, he's sweet, mm-hmm. um, but he's right at the end, just like Akeem Hicks. Justin Houston also, Baltimore. See, with, Jadev- with, with Jadeveon, who played with Cleveland most recently, coached by Kevin Stefanski, the, the thing you just never know is, in my opinion, you never know what you're going to get from Clowney every day. And you can't have that yes. in the type of culture they're building here. Oh, and by the way, your bookender is Miles Garrett. 
So he's the one getting all of the attention, mm-hmm. not you. So what you going to do? I just don't think enough has been done in Seattle. Not enough was done. So I remember talking to Ryan Cordell, the new game management coordinator here for the Vikings. I talked to him last week, and I just asked him, I was like, how do you coach Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney on two sides of the – like on the field at the same time rushing the quarterback? Like it should be unstoppable. And similar to what you said, he's Miles Garrett, just an unbelievable talent. He gets tired, but he said Jadavion Clowney turns it on and turns it off. Yeah. He said when he turns it on, still to this day, there's no defensive end in the NFL Better than Jadeveon Clowney, Agreed. still to this day. Agreed. But it's but, those off plays exactly. that are the ones that can cost you a game. Yep. Right. But see, we we panicked and blew it. And I'm not taking a shot at Spielman because they when Daniil went down, we our defensive end situation was terrible. Mm-hmm. So we overpaid for Unique and Gakwe. And he gets here, man. And I just I'm like, okay, I see that trick, but like, what's up the other sleeve? <laughs> what what's down by his ankle? You know, like run defense down by the ankle, up the other sleeve, keeping contained. Oh, he can run around to guys really fast, and that just—that's what clowny feels like to mm-hmm. me. And what was crazy was Ngakwe would still let our team in sacks for almost half of the <laughs> yeah. season. Yeah, that was a problem. It was—it was insane. Well, like that, that was, was the purge year. It was terrible. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Aaron Rodgers rolls in first game. We got no fans. You can hear him ready. <laughs> and he can hear the defense and everything. It just killed us. It was awful. I remember you saying after that game, you said that's the single most dominant performance you've ever seen in and your And then life. you tried to get me into an argument with the DB's coach for the Green Bay Packers <laughs> so that night I could have a 20-minute conversation with their head coach. And it didn't work. <laughs> well, it worked last week. He said really great things. Matt LaFleur said really great things about you and your uh-huh. conversation. So I guess it worked out for the best of us. Hopefully that turns into a win. Maybe you can get him on the call and basically say, hey, we, we, we texted need- a little bit after I nice. thanked I thanked him for uh, I mean, it for those who watch Vikings dot com after that Packers game, I went pear shaped. <laughs> Gabe pushed a button after former Vikings uh, DB's coach Jerry Gray. I, I felt was being a sore loser and I knew Jerry very well. And he said some things I didn't like and I didn't like curse back at him or anything, mm-hmm. but I was really upset, man. Yeah. And then Gabe goes three, two. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, great. Between the lines. And for some reason, I decided to assassinate verbally Eric Stokes, <laughs> a rookie from Georgia. I've never met and I don't have an opinion on. Well, it I mean, it went viral, as the kids would yeah. say. And it's like 930 that evening. And I get a call from Matt LaFleur, who got my number from Cousins. Yep. And Matt and I talked for like 17, 20 minutes, yep. man. And you know me, man. I was straight with him. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on anybody's lap 20 years into this game. Yeah. We can play the Homer card with the announcer all you want, or he says that because he gets paid by the, it, the – all that stuff's crap. You don't last this long in this game like I have by, by playing the game that way. Mm. So Matt and I had the best conversation. I'm like, man, I got so much respect for your team with these injuries and everything you're doing. Mm. I've watched all your games, and you're doing a wonderful job, man. You're the toughest out – that yeah. I've seen in many, many years. And after we talked about the situation and he told me some things confidentially and uh, then to know they worked that Monday at his coaches meeting, mm-hmm. doesn't matter how I know, I know to know what he told me worked exactly the way in his coaches meeting that Monday that I, I just have the ultimate respect for him because he doesn't lie. He tells the truth. And, so I'm not at the owners' meeting yeah. in, a, in Palm and I, Beach, and you're sitting down with him, and you're trying to poke the bear so, and get him to rip me. So funny, funny story. We we came down to the lobby. It's probably ten o'clock at night, and I'm with uh, Bob Hagen, and I see Matt Lafleur, and he just like <laughs> gives me the death stare. I'm like, dude, I, I'm, I, <laughs> yes. I'm like, dude, I, I didn't I didn't plan on saying hey, I just saying yeah. bye. And he's like, you're the guy. Oh. I was like, huh? He said, yeah, you're the guy that got him going. Yeah. Well, I, I said like, that to him because I'm like, <laughs> my guy, Gabe, he 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 knew he did his job. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. But but with Matt, man, it's a Matt at the combine. Yeah. See, it's like Matt's thinking about this more than I am. Yeah. Because at the combine, Matt goes up to Bob Hagen, media relations mogul, mm-hmm. and somebody else I know and is like, where's Paul Allen? Mm-hmm. You know, I hear he's here doing a rate. I'm like, Matt LaFleur's looking for me? Yeah. <laughs> well, man, it's 945. I'm 56. I'm in bed. Yeah, but it's Matt LaFleur. I go, it could be Vince freaking Lombardi. I'm not getting out of this bed. I'm tired. And so I missed him. You know, but then he was thinking about it again yeah. at the at the owner's meeting. Yeah, so when he said that. Honesty, but- honesty, contrition, love, faith. If you just come at things like I did with LaFleur, honestly, you're honest. Yeah. 
And look, he, he look what happens, man. And he appreciated that when he said, you're the guy. there's a lot of BS in this game. And I, he just laughed. I was like, hold on. He was like, yeah, you're the guy to set him up. And he just busts out laughing. He was like, nah, I'm joking. He said, yeah. you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And it's like, and he talked to PA. He talked to you and was like, man, like, that's such a great guy. Like, I, I really love PA. And he just, had, he just sang your praises. So right um, we still don't like the Packers, though. Gabe, you better have your head on the swivel pregame because there yeah. might be an Aaron Rodgers football yeah. errantly coming at that dome. I didn't go to the field at Lambeau thinking Eric Stokes want to beat me up. I mean, I had a, I had like an I'm sorry card in my back pocket. And like, hey, Eric, man, I, I don't know why I did that. God bless you. Just take this card back. I couldn't find him, but I was worried somebody was going to hit me, man. As a guy filming on the sideline years ago and had a football thrown at my head, oh. Oh. you're standing there and you just see a football coming in your viewfinder. You're oh. like, I need to take a half step this no. way. No, no, you got to take it because it goes viral. I know it will, but also I'm going to go viral too because yeah. I'm going to be in the hospital for about three weeks taking goes, one off the dome. It goes viral. Just ask Jordan Struck with the Vikings Entertainment <laughs> exactly. Network, who was struck. Hey, he talked like this for three weeks, I but never, it went viral. I've never heard this story. Oh, it's we <laughs> it can talk so, about it off here. Yeah, go yeah. ask him. He's really comfortable with it. Yeah, for sure. He's still walking funny. Yeah. Well, guys, this is this was a lot of fun. We spent a lot of time talking yeah. Vikings. Spent yeah. a lot of time just just shooting the breeze, and this is always great for our fans who tune in. Hey. Every single week to the Minnesota Vikings podcast and every day to nine to noon on KFA and listen to the voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen. Let, let me yeah. say this in closing. I love this. This is old school and new school. <laughs> and it meshes Jay and Jay and I have been friends for a decade and a half minimum. And you and I have been friends for two years, man. Yeah. And to be able to sit here as a veteran and as somebody who cares about different things now than he did 15 years ago, it's such an honor to be in here. With old school and new school and laugh and genuinely have a good time. Not be afraid if you say things like, Manu was terrible at Lambo. It's nothing personal. Right. Watch the game. And and hey. Objective. It, right. But if he played the next game or the next and the next, he'd be better. Mm-hmm. It's just nice to have this with this team. And, uh, you know, with a team that's had a lot of turnover on the field, behind the scenes, it's so great mm. to gather and walk into this beautiful radio studio and just let it loose mm. with old school J and, and new school G, man. I love it. Well, Vikings fans will be able to let loose a little bit in about mm, a little over three weeks because mm-hmm. the Miller Lite Vikings draft party is back and in person. Bring your crew down on the field at U.S. Bank Stadium for the full 2022 NFL draft experience, Las Vegas style. Doors will open at 6 p.m., so come celebrate the newest member of the Minnesota Vikings with live coverage all night long from KFAN, as well as appearances by your current Vikings players and favorite Vikings legends. Score your tickets now at vikings.com slash draft. Are you going to be there? I will be there for the first half of the show. Okay. Well, you're not on the KFAN draft party show. No. LaFleur. <laughs> he is? No. Oh. No, because of the LaFleur thing, I just decided you're out. <laughs> okay. It's either going to be Tatum. Wayne Larravee or Larry McCarron from the Packers Radio Network. One of the three. Oh, I thought you were going to say Larry Michael. <laughs> but I guess he's not going to be on that show either. No, so. no, man. It'd be hard to find him these days. He's, he's, I think he's still doing boxing. Yeah, good for him. Well, Vikings fans, thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. For Voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, producer Jay Nelson. My name is Gabe Henderson. We will talk to you next week.